I've titled this morning's message uh, something, an unusual title for me. I've titled it Rock or Play-Doh. I just happen to have some of this being a dad. Make sure that doesn't fall off. We'll make sure this one doesn't fall off either. And not damage the wood of the pulpit. Rock or Play-Doh? The longer we live the Christian life, the more intentional we have to be about keeping our heart from getting hard like the rock. Proverbs chapter 4 verse 23 says, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Keep means to guard or protect it. Don't let your heart harden. If I were to leave this out for long enough, this Play-Doh would become almost as hard as this rock. You parents who have Play-Doh for your kids know that. If they leave it out or uncovered for a while, it gets very tough. Our hearts are like that. If we don't constantly work at allowing and keeping them soft before the Lord, they will harden. We've got to guard them. Have you ever seen somebody whose face almost looked like stone? Very unmoving, very unemotional. Maybe they were angry, maybe stubborn, maybe resentful, maybe unmerciful. And all of these things are because of a condition of the heart that is showing then through their face. I was recently somewhere this past week, uh, and I overheard two people talking, two people that I didn't know, so I trust you don't know them either. They're not from our church, none of my coworkers, nothing like that. I didn't know who they were. But I overheard a discussion that they were having. Both of them had been through some, some problems with other people, we'll say. Some, some hurtful things, and they were openly discussing it, and I happened to be around the corner while they were having their discussion. They knew I was there, but they were just freely talking. And uh, the one in particular had been hurt in a few different ways, but as, as I was listening to her talk, I could just tell from her voice and her words that she had been hardened through what she had been through. The other one, it was interesting, had been through some very similar things with the same people, and yet was, was merciful and was recognizing the hurt that those other people had been through and was much softer. But the one person was just hard, very hard. And that can become us. What is a hard heart? What does it mean to have a hard heart? We can use an example and say, well, it's like a rock or it's like Play-Doh. But what does that actually mean practically in our life? And I have a couple of different examples, and we're going to, from these examples and the words used in the Bible, draw a, a definition of what it means biblically to have a hard heart. In the Old Testament, if you look up the word hard-hearted, there is one person that comes up in many verses as a reference for that, and his name was Pharaoh. It says over and over again that Pharaoh hardened his heart, and it says that God hardened Pharaoh's heart as well. And the words it uses for Pharaoh in the Old Testament when it says that he hardened his heart, it literally means he was obstinate, he was stupid, that is literally the Strong's word, 
I don't particularly like that word, but as the, that is the strongest definition. And by stupid, it basically means unteachable or, or not able to learn. And it means slow and thick. So when it says Pharaoh hardened his heart, those are the things that it means. And then we have a New Testament example, one with some people that I like better. They're the disciples of Jesus. But a couple different instances, Jesus referred to them as hard-hearted. And we're going to read a passage where he did that in Mark chapter 8, verses 14 through 18. Mark 8, 14 through 18. The disciples had forgotten to bring any food. They had only one loaf of bread with them in the boat. And as they were crossing the lake, Jesus warned them, Watch out! Beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and of Herod. So, being natural people as they were, at this they began to argue with each other because they hadn't brought any bread. Jesus knew what they were saying. So he said, why are you arguing about having no bread? Don't you know or understand even yet? Are your hearts too hard to take it in? You have eyes. Can't you see? You have ears. Can't you hear? Don't you remember anything at all? When I fed the 5,000 with five loaves of bread, how many baskets of leftovers did you pick up afterwards? And he carried on the conversation with them. They said 12. He's making them recognize and realize that he's well able to provide food for them. But their first response to, to Jesus saying, watch out for the leaven of the Pharisees was to argue with each other about the fact that they didn't have food. And so Jesus said, are you really... Is your heart too hard to get it? And that, when it says, is your heart hardened, it means petrified. It means stone. Think a rock. It means rendered stupid or callous, blind. Those are some pretty tough words, aren't they? And Jesus said that to the very people who were closest to him. And as we go on, you know, a hardened heart is more of a natural state than a nice soft heart. It is naturally human to have some of these issues. But from them, from the definitions, from what the Bible says about Pharaoh and what Jesus said here to the disciples, this is Stephen's definition, but it's combined from the thoughts from the Strongs and in the Bible. A hard heart is stubborn and unteachable, calloused by sin or difficulty and blind to its own condition. It doesn't even know it. A hard heart is stubborn and unteachable, calloused by sin or difficulty, and blind to its own condition. Now, sometimes, as I said, a hard heart is due to being born with a sinful nature. It's more of a natural state that we have. We can be naturally pretty stubborn, right? If I asked for a show of hands of who here is not at all stubborn, I'm afraid I wouldn't probably see any. We are naturally stubborn people. We can be naturally resistant. We can naturally not like authority. We can naturally not like instruction. So in that sense, we can all have a hard heart. We're, we're all just, it's a natural state that we've got to work against. Sometimes a hardened heart is due to responding incorrectly to trials as well. You know, you might call this an offense, but it's a cause and effect. Something has happened and we responded the wrong way to it, something that we didn't like or something that was hurtful or wrong. We respond the wrong way and our heart turns harder. 
Now, on the opposite, we'll see if we go through trials and difficulties in our heart and we allow the Lord to work in us through that, we recognize his hand and we turn to him, our heart can become softer. This is not a permanent state. A hardened heart is not something we have to live with forever in our walk with the Lord. I've been thinking a lot lately in, in the past few weeks, and I shared this with uh, some people that some here in the board that I sent an email to, but I've been thinking about the fruits of the Spirit a lot and how the Lord wants those to be in our life. Things like love and joy and peace and patience and kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Those are the fruits of the Spirit. The Bible talks a lot about fruit and the importance of fruit in our lives. Sarah was recently reading a a book by Pastor Tim O'Connell, and in his book, he shared uh, an example from Scripture, and he tied a couple things together that I had never noticed before. And he pointed out that in the beginning, when Adam and Eve sinned against God, what did they do? They hid, then they covered themselves up with fig leaves. They wanted to be covered, to be hidden, and possibly also, uh, you know, to look good on the outside, I guess we could put it that way. When Jesus, thousands of years later, comes along and he's walking with the disciples on, a, on the road, there's this, you could call it an odd account. He's walking along, he finds a fig tree, this fig tree has no fruit on it, and he curses the fig tree, and it dies. But what was, what was the point of that? The fig tree looked really good. It was a good-looking tree, but it had nothing inside. It had no good fruit. And when the Bible says that we're supposed to have fruit in our Christian life, and it talks about having the fruits of the Spirit, that means these should be things within our very being so that we don't just look good on the outside, particularly when we're coming to church on a Sunday around other people we know we're Christians, but that that emanates from us all the time because it's the character that Christ has formed inside of us. It's who we are. Again, things like love and joy, peace and patience and kindness and goodness. Jesus said to the Pharisees, are of the Pharisees, they they looked amazing on the outside. But he said on the inside, they were dead. They were like tombs. He could see that their inside was filthy. And their heart, you know, you read through the account, their heart had actually become so hardened that while they looked like godly men, and many people looked up to them, Jesus said, you can actually go behind the scenes and steal property and homes from the poor widows of your community, and then act like you're an awesome godly person. They were hiding who they really were on the inside with this fig leaves, with these fig leaves on the outside. They wanted to look good. This last week, Sarah was cleaning out some stuff from from our property. And as many of you know, we have some birds. We have ducks and chickens, and that requires having feed for the birds. And I saw this bag of feed sitting in the driveway in the pile of things that needed to go to the garbage. And I looked at it, and I went, what's, you know, must be empty. or, Or, you know, it was a nice bag sitting there, though. It was perfectly clean, looked very nice kind of a wax coating on the outside with all the beautiful bird pictures and the seed stuff on it. And I looked in the bag and it was a rotten, moldy mess in the bottom. And I went, ugh. 
We don't want to be that way as Christians. And that's what Jesus was telling his people and the New Testament writers like Paul were saying, the fruit of the spirit, the evidence of our true evidence of our life in Christ is what is coming out of us, our character that emanates from us. And that character really reveals whether our heart is hard or not. Because many times we can do the right things and we can say the right things, but what is the character that's coming out of us in that? So as I've been meditating on this, I've been thinking about character uh, versus our works. You know, our character shows who we really are. Our works show what we do. They're the physical things that we do while we're here on earth. The Apostle Paul referred to this in 1 Corinthians 13, verses 1 through 3. And he mentioned in these passages, this is the beginning of the love passage. We know verses 4 through 8 pretty well all the things that love is. But he started that whole passage in 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 3, and said, if I do all of these things but have not love, it's worthless. And the things that he mentioned in this passage, he said, if I speak with the tongues of men and angels, is that a really good thing to do? It's pretty awesome. If I prophesy, give the word of the Lord, is that a good thing to do? That's pretty awesome to have God speak through you. If I understand all mysteries and knowledge, I have the deep truths of the word of God. Is that awesome? Amen to that. It's really good. If I have faith to move a mountain, I'd love to see that. I don't want to be near the mountain, but I'd love to see it. That's amazing. If I give away everything that I have, I'm very minded toward the needy and the poor, and I give it all away. Is that a really good thing? If I give my very life for Christ, he says, my body to be burned, if I give it for the Lord, is that an incredible thing? But Paul goes through all these things, and he ends them with, but if I have not love, if I don't have the character behind it, he says it's worthless, it's like a clanging cymbal, a sounding gong. And he uses different illustrations for each of those verses. But he says it's, it's meaningless to do all of these amazing things but not have the character coming out of me to show who I really am on the inside. I'm really a follower of Jesus Christ. Jesus also shared an example a familiar passage to us in Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 through 23. He said, many will say, Lord, Lord, and they'll list off the amazing things that they did in his name. But he'll say, I didn't know you. It wasn't the works. The works were good. The works were even wonderful and great. But if the character doesn't match it, it's kind of worthless. So this isn't uh, a, my, you know, a sharing on this to say, stop doing good things, stop helping others, stop, stop learning about the deep truths of God, stop seeking to prophesy. That's not at all what this is about, but it's about the condition of the heart that needs to be correct. It's not, the works are not good enough in our Christian life. We can still have a heart that's like this, even while we're doing good works on the outside. When we get to eternity, God will commend and reward how much we showed love, how much we showed 
kindness and joy and peace and patience and all of these different things, this hits me right here too. None of us are, are perfect. We're all in a state of being transformed. But God will, will reward and commend these things and as well the things that we do and the things that we say. All of those are tied in together. So don't get me wrong, God cares a lot about our actions. God cares a lot about the things we do. He cares about the things we think and we say. But we can have great actions and great opinions and be totally lacking in things like love and joy and peace and patience and the true character that should be coming out of us. So those are some musings I've been thinking about lately that tied into this thought of the soft heart versus the hard heart. So now we're going to look at some signs maybe that our heart is hard. And there are many of these, and I thought of several from the Word of God, and I think there are many of them that we could also you know, tie in and look at, um, but we narrowed that down to a few. And the first one is connected directly to what we talk, just talked about, to lack the fruits of the Spirit, especially in private. And I say especially in private because I've been there. I have a family. I come home from work. Sometimes it's not a smooth transition coming home from a quiet office to a bustling house. You understand. Some of you have very quiet houses now. And, uh, but anyways, so we all face this. What are we like in private? Maybe your private is you in your own room, your own house. Maybe your private is you amongst many people in your house. But whatever it is, what are you like? And what am I like? If I am one person in front of you all up here, and then I get home and I'm a totally different person, the character coming out of me in private is probably who I really am, not the character here that you see. And, and it needs to be the same. And if it's not, it's a sign that our heart is hard. It's a sign that we've closed off in a certain way and not been transformed to this. Because if we're soft like this, we will be the same person in our, in our own home, in our own room, by ourselves, with our family, as we will be when we're up front in front of people trying to look our best. We'll be the one and the same. How would my family call me? Would they say I, I'm a sincere follower of Christ who represents him well? What would they say if you asked them? Go ahead and ask. I'm sure they would tell you some things I wouldn't want to hear. But that's okay. You know, but ask your family. If you're, or ask the Lord, most importantly. Lord, how's my heart? The next sign of a hard heart is something that uh, God called Israel a decent amount of times in the Old Testament. And that is a specific King James word called stiff-necked. Stiff-necked. How many of you have ever had a stiff neck just naturally? You woke up in the morning, you slept wrong, your neck hurt, and for that whole day, maybe you felt like you didn't really want to turn your head because it hurt. Well, when God said the people of Israel were stiff-necked, he was saying their head would not do this because their neck was stiff and so when God said, turn this way, they're like, uh-uh, we're going that way. They would not, their neck did not allow the head to turn. God said this, our Exodus chapter 33, verse 5, says this. The Lord 
said to Moses in Exodus 33, verse 5, say to the people of Israel, you are a stiff-necked people. How would you like that if God said, Pastor Wallace, get up on Sunday morning and look over the people and tell them, you are stiff-necked. What would your response be? Lord, please change me. Or would you like, I am not? <laughs> Maybe a sign that we might be, but... I trust God hasn't told Pastor Wallace to get up here and say that. But if he did, I trust he'd be faithful to tell us that. Ezekiel chapter 3 and verse 7 says, But the house of Israel will not be willing to listen to you, for they are not willing to listen to me, because all the house of Israel have a hard forehead and a stubborn heart. God's telling his prophet when he's sending him out to declare the message, he says, They're not going to be willing to listen to you. The reason is they're stubborn at heart. This is their heart. And so they're not going to change. They're not going to listen. So when the Bible says stiff-necked, it really is a lack of flexibility in action or attitude. It's another sign of having a hardened heart before the Lord. That when God directs us, God points out something in our life that needs changing. God threw somebody else let something happen in our life that we don't like, our response is, no, we will not turn. We're stiff-necked to be stubborn. Another one, a sign of a hardened heart, is lack of concern for the things of God. Lack of concern for the things of God. The Apostle Paul in Romans 2, verses 4 through 5, Romans 2, 4 through 5, says, or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? But because of your hard and impenitent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. And these ones that Paul is talking to specifically, he said, God has shown you a lot of kindness. God, the riches of his kindness has been shown through forbearance and patience in your life. But you've presumed on it and not let it change you. You've kept being who you were and following your own way, even though God was doing all these amazing things in your life. And you didn't change. Have I sat in church and heard years worth of sermons but I'm still the same person I was last year, five years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, however long it may be. Or has it changed me? Do I read the Bible without it having an impact on my life? I just read it over. Or does my own life consume my thoughts far more than the things of God? These are all signs of a heart that may be hardened to the things of God. So a lack of concern for the things of God. Uh, Also a lack of concern for people. We mentioned Pharaoh as an example. He's a prime example of somebody who did not care for a whole lot of people. He wanted his way, he wanted his power, and he didn't care what happened to the Israelites as long as they were there to serve him. He wanted to keep them under his thumb. But we have another example um, that we're not, go- we're not going to talk about Pharaoh more in this one, but 
the Pharisees. And we're going to read a specific passage here in Mark chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. Mark 3, 1 through 6. Jesus went into the synagogue again and noticed a man with a deformed hand. Since it was the Sabbath, Jesus' enemies watched him closely. If he healed the man's hand, they planned to accuse him of working on the Sabbath. Jesus said to the man with a deformed hand, Come and stand in front of everyone. Then he turned to his critics and asked, Does the law permit good deeds on the Sabbath, or is it a day for doing evil? Is it a day to save life or to destroy it? But they wouldn't answer him. He looked around at them angrily and was deeply saddened by their hard hearts. Then he said to the man, Hold out your hand. So the man held out his hand and it was restored. At once, the Pharisees went away and met with the supporters of Herod to plot how to kill Jesus. That's an extreme example. Did they care about the people? Did they care that this man had a crippled hand? Did they care that Jesus healed him? Or did they care for themselves? Hopefully we are never in such an extreme example, but who we care about or who we don't care about can show the condition of our hearts. Do we care for others who are in need? Do we care for others when they're going through a hard time? Or is our focus on our own selves? You know, the Pharisees, they were upset that Jesus was getting so popular and that people were being healed by this man, Jesus. But they wanted their position. They wanted their power. You can see this as you read through the Gospels and some, some statements that the Pharisees make in their thinking and their, and their talking. You can see this. They were envious. They were worried they were going to lose their spot, their position. And their whole existence, no matter how good they looked on the outside, was about themselves. And they didn't care for people. These are tough things, aren't they? This part is not a, a hurrah sort of a sermon. Neither is having this as our spiritual hearts. Another one is negativity and complaining. Negativity and complaining. Who's the prime example you think about in the Old Testament when I say the word complaining? God's very people, Israel, right? God did so much for them. And yet at many points in their journey, they turned and they complained. We read about this in Hebrews chapter three, verses seven through nine. Hebrews three, seven through nine says, that is why the Holy Spirit says, today, when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts as Israel did when they rebelled when they tested me in the wilderness. There your ancestors tested and tried my patience, even though they saw my miracles for 40 years. Well, how did Israel test and try God's patience? Complaining. That was it. And God says, don't be like them. Don't harden your hearts like they did when they went through these difficulties. 
Do I complain about the things that I don't like? It's easy to do, isn't it? It's easy for out of our mouth to come that negativity, that pointing out what we don't like, that complaining. But if I do that, I am verbally stating that I don't agree with Romans 8.28. Romans 8.28 says that God works all things together for the good of those who love him. So if I look at the things in my life that I don't like and I complain about it, I am saying, God, you're not working it for my good. And so God says when Israel did that, they were testing my patience. How many of you want to test God's patience? I didn't think so. I don't either. It's not a good spot to be, but it is so easy to do. That if I asked for an honest show of hands, I think everybody would put their hand up to say, I've complained before. But it's a sign that our heart is hardened. Another one, no forgiveness or unforgiveness. You know, God made our bodies, I tell this to my boys all the time, amazingly well, to heal. Think of the many things that can happen to us that heal. God made us to self-heal in many ways. But when we get a wound in our body, something hurts us and, you know, the blood comes out and then it clots and it hardens up. If we keep Picking at that, as I know some people happen to have a tendency to do, naturally you want to pick those scabs. What do you end up with? Scars. It's just like that. That is the perfect example of our spiritual life as well. That when things happen that wound and that hurt us, if we keep picking at it, we, keep, we won't let it go, we end up scarred. And a scar, scar tissue, is hard. It's not soft and and malleable. It is a hard, scar tissue is hard. And so that can be a sign in in our life. If we refuse to forgive, we refuse to let something go, it can become a very hard spot in our heart. The last one that I have Uh, Here, to go along with the other one, signs of a hard heart is to be unteachable. Unteachable. Titus saw this in my notes this morning. I think I had it open to this, and it was underlined red in my document here. And he's like, Dad, is that how you spell that? I said, well, it's not actually even a word. We created the word unteachable, I think, in Christendom, because it perfectly describes somebody who is not able to be taught. But anyways... We're sticking with that word, unteachable, even though it's not really a word. Proverbs 29, verse 1 says, He that being often reproved hardeneth his neck shall shall suddenly be destroyed, and that without remedy. He that being often reproved or corrected or instructed in the right way to go, but if that person hardens their neck, God said, they'll be destroyed. That is an unteachable person, right? Somebody who is reproved and instructed and corrected and they will not receive it. Jeremiah said this in Jeremiah 5 verse 3. O Lord, are not thine eyes upon the truth? Thou hast stricken them, but they are not grieved. Thou hast consumed them, but they have refused to receive correction. 
They have made their faces harder than a rock. They have refused to return. Totally unteachable. Totally refusing the way and the will of God for them. Do you or I refuse instruction? Do we refuse correction? Do we refuse to listen and to change? It's a sign that our heart is this. Now again, our natural human response is to be stubborn. That's more of a natural state. But when we let God work in our lives and transform our hearts to this, we don't have to stay unteachable. We don't have to stay stubborn. God can change us to listen and to receive his instruction, his correction, his training, and all of those things. Now, we can't stay there. So these are all signs that our hearts may be hard. But where do we go from there? Well, we have to go to, how do we go from there to here? How is our heart softened and transformed? Because the Bible says in Job verse nine, chapter 9, verse 4, Hugh has hardened himself against God and succeeded. Question mark. Who has hardened himself against God and actually come out better off? The, the not given answer is nobody. It's not a good thing to have a hard heart. Now, if you look at the opposite of hard heart in the Bible, we say soft heart. It's tender hearted is the word in the Bible. You find a reference about having a soft heart in the Bible. It's actually not really a good thing. It's that somebody's not standing up for what they should. But tender hearted is, is the word in the Bible, you know, for somebody who has allowed the Lord to work in them. And when I see that word tender, I think tenderized. I'm sorry. I'm a guy. I like meat. When we talk about meat that's a little bit tough, we talk about tenderizing it. How do you tenderize a piece of meat? Well, you take this hammer with these, all these little claw bumps sticking out of it and you pound it. And you, you get it to get softer. Now, you know, if your heart is totally hard and you don't let that happen, guess what happens? It stays just as hard. I'm not hitting it too hard because I don't want to hurt the pulpit. But you get the point. You have to allow that tenderizing to happen. If you become totally hard and refuse change, the tenderizing doesn't work. Tenderizing is where you're in the process of becoming soft. And there's a hard spot and you say, Lord, change me. Work in me. I want to be transformed. You let him do the work. He will do the work. Now, just like tenderizing is a process with pounding with a hammer, the process of our heart being softened is going to be a bit painful. And you know what it's the most painful for? Is our pride. Our pride hurts when our heart gets tenderized. It's, it's, it's tough. It really is. And again, our natural response would be to stubborn and to hold and to stand where we are and to not let that happen. But that is pride. God said this in Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26. <clears throat> Ezekiel 36, 26 says, And I will give you a new heart, and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh, and give you a heart 
of flesh. So the things that we're talking about, we have a part to play in. We definitely have a part. But ultimately, without God, we can't go from here to here. God says that work is mine. But letting him do it is our part. The first thing we have to do that goes directly against our pride is we have to humble ourselves. We have to come to a place of humility. It says this in 2 Chronicles chapter 34, verse 27. <clears throat> 2 Chronicles 34, 27 says, Because your heart was tender and you humbled yourself before God when you heard his words against this place and its inhabitants, and you have humbled yourself before me and have torn your clothes and wept before me, I also have heard you, declares the Lord. But because your heart was tender, because you humbled yourself, pride, again, is that primary enemy of a soft or tenderized heart. <clears throat> We've got to come in humility. Now, when we come to the Lord, we, the next thing we need to do is to ask him. And this is what the psalmist did in Psalm, 30, Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24. He said, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And if there be any grievous way in me, any, we could say, any area that is hard and wrong against the ways of God, search me and see if there's any of those and lead me in the way everlasting. So we've got to ask God. We've got to come to him in humility and honesty and say, Lord, is there an area that I have become hard, that I am stubborn, that I am refusing to listen to you? That word know means to ascertain by seeing. So when the psalmist said, know my heart and know my thoughts, he's saying, Lord, judge by looking. Get the microscope out and, and look over everything and verify. Know it and search it. Am I hardened? We'll end with that in a little bit. Search me, O oh God. The next thing we have to do after we ask God is we have to agree with him. And our humanity is not going to want to do this. Our will and our pride is not going to want to do this. But when God points out an area where we're wrong, or maybe God uses somebody in our life to point that area out, we need to agree with God. A hard heart is sin, and it's wrong, and we have to agree with God on that. And once we agree with him, we've got to repent. Repent is, is a fancy word that means to turn around or to stop doing whatever, to, to change from there. And true repentance is more than and feeling determined to change. You know, sometimes when we hear that something in our life needs to change, we can get this determination. Like, I will change. I will do it. I will be different. I will not do that anymore, whatever it might be. But true repentance is more than that. It manifests itself in a completely changed life, which only God can do. We need the determination but we need to be determined to turn to the Lord and not just our own self-willpower. We will fail. So we've got to repent. We've got to study God's word as well. Psalms 119 verse 11 says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Now, which one of these was sin? 
the soft heart or the hard heart? Okay, so we, re- we agree. We recognize that these areas of, of stubbornness in our heart, these other areas that we call a hard heart, they're wrong, right? And the psalmist said, I have hidden your word in my heart that I wouldn't sin against you, that I wouldn't have this hardened heart. And one of the ways to do that is to hide God's word in us so that when we're faced with something where we are tempted for our heart to become hard, we say, no, scripture says this. God's will is this. God wants me to do whatever this is that is not allowing myself to become hardened. So storing God's word in our heart will help that to be, will help his word to be what comes to our mind when we're faced with that chance of hardening our heart. The last thing we have to do is to stay soft. Because again, that's the natural state. This is unnatural. And if you leave this one alone and, and put no effort into it and just leave it, it will turn more into this. So we've got to constantly be seeking the Lord on it, turning to him. As a psalmist said in Psalm 139, search me, O God. That needs to be a continual thing that we do to remain soft. We can't just remain in a flat state of nothing. We will eventually become harder if we do. Paul said in Romans 5, verses 3 through 5, he said, we rejoice in our sufferings. We shared on this a few months back. Paul could actually say we rejoice in our sufferings because these things work. And he points out many ways that suffering work in, works in our life. Trials are meant to cause us to grow. When things happen in our life that we don't like, they're difficulties, they're hard to go through, they have a purpose in our life. And part of them is to change us from this into this, to change us from hard into soft. And again, we've got to look at Romans 8.28. Do you believe Romans 8.28? All things work together for the good of those who love God and who are not walking according to his purposes. This is the Bible. This is scripture. This is truth. The only way it doesn't work for you is if you're not loving God and you're not walking in his ways and it doesn't work for you. But if you're loving God and walking in his ways and something happens in your life that's difficult or you don't like, the right response is to say, Lord, I see your hand. I don't know what's going on because probably you don't, maybe you do, but I don't know what's going on. Lord, work in me through this. Change my heart through this. That is not a humanly natural response to have. Again, this is natural to get, why is this happening? Why does this always happen? Why can't they just, the complaining is so natural. So as we close this morning, I close with three scriptures from earlier. Proverbs 4 verse 23 says, guard your heart with all diligence Guard it, protect it. Hebrews 3 verse 7 says, Today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your heart. Don't let it happen. Let today be the day. And then the prayer we'll close with, as the psalmist said in Psalms 139, 23 through 24, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. So as I invite the musicians and Pastor Jason to come, we're going to bow our heads and close our eyes here for a moment. And 
Each one of us can take this prayer to God. Say, search me, O God, and know my heart. And if God reveals an area of your heart that you know is hard, you know is wrong, you know is stubborn, you know, take it to him and ask him to to help to change you. Lord, you are so good to work in us and to, to change us to be more like you. Lord, I pray that we would not resist that work of, that you're doing in our lives. And Lord, you are faithful to reveal areas to us that are wrong, that are hardened, areas of our heart that are opposed to you and your ways. And Lord, when you reveal these to us, Lord, when you reveal something, help us to choose to give it to you. Help us to choose to let you transform it. Would you transform our attitudes, Lord, when things happen that we don't like, that we would be pliable, that we would be soft and flexible and not stubborn and hard-hearted and selfish and proud. Lord, we want to be like you. You are the perfect example of living exactly how you should, of having those fruits of the Spirit, that character emanating from you with love and joy and peace patience and kindness and so on, Lord. And as these emanated from you, Lord, we want them to emanate from us. We want that to be who we are. But we let you work in our lives, Lord. Search us and know our hearts. Try us. Know our thoughts. And see if there's any wrong way in us, Lord. And lead us into the way everlasting, And help us not to turn aside from your leading, Lord. Search us, O God. In your name. Amen.